Welcome to the Legit Lady Podcast, where we feature women who are nailing it in life. Hey, Legit Lady listeners, this is your host, Julie Fetterman, and thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast where we feature impressive women to inspire the world. And for those of you who have been reaching out, I really appreciate it, especially after last week's episode. I know this was an episode that touched a lot of hearts all around the world, and uh, and it really makes all the difference to us when you reach out to us and give us your feedback, you share your experiences, and that's something that we actually pass on to our guests too. And especially since our guests are often being very vulnerable with us, it's really great to be able to hear that feedback from our listeners. So please keep doing so. If you have feedback, thoughts, questions, anything you'd like for us to talk about before our episode, feel free to send us a note at legitladypodcast at gmail.com. And something fairly new we just started and got up and running is our coffee page. And so it's actually spelled Kofi, like K-O-F-I uh, dot com slash legit lady podcast. So K-O-F-I dot com slash legit lady podcast. And what this is, is a really quick, easy way for you to show a little bit of support for the podcast in a monetary fashion, because this takes a lot of effort, time, it's certainly not free. But think about it, like if you would want to take me out for coffee or ice cream or something or a drink, uh, <laughs> this is a great way for you to show your support for the podcast and keep us going since we do put a lot of effort, blood, sweat, tears, dollars into making this um, on a regular basis. So thank you for those of you who've already shown your support. And speaking about support, a way that we've talked about in all of our episodes that you can support the podcast in a free way, so you don't have any excuse here, is to spend a couple minutes and write a quick review on iTunes, on Stitcher. Please subscribe to the podcast because what happens is the more people who subscribe, the more people who rate and review the podcast, the more will pop up in algorithms and more people then find us and listen to us. And so the whole thing grows organically. It's very nice. It's great how the internet works. So we're going to quickly read a review here on Stitcher, actually. And this gorgeous review is actually written by one of our podcast guests, Emily, who was the fabulous pilot who was on uh, one of our prior episodes. And it says, such a cool experience. I absolutely loved being a guest on Julie's new podcast, Legit Lady. Julie was not only professional and well-spoken, but she managed to keep us laughing all while ta tackling tough subjects that caused critical thinking. It was an honor to be chosen among the other Legit Ladies, and I cannot wait to see what Julie does with this show. Congrats to you. Thank you, Emily. You're the best and the bomb. Uh, this is great because for me, this is a total risk that I've taken. Uh, I did not go to podcasting, podcasting school, radio school, or anything like that. This is something that's new to me. So for the dedicated listeners who have tuned in since episode one, you see that this has been uh, a great learning experience and I get better with every episode, at least in my opinion. Uh, I get better with every episode, with every interview and being able to get that feedback directly from guests right after we finish a recording of things like, hey, you know what? I do a lot of interviews, but they all stay really surface level or they're not really interesting. 
And actually getting feedback saying like, wow, you pushed me out of my comfort zone. You really got stuff out of me that other interviewers haven't gotten out of are really great and validating things that someone like me putting myself in a pretty vulnerable position loves to hear. So that's why I wanted to read this review. I really appreciate it. But for those of you, even if you haven't been on the show, please do review. It makes a huge difference. This week's news item I wanted to read, not to bring things down a notch, but uh, it's entitled, You Are Horrible People. And it's from the magazine McLean's, but online, McLean's.ca. And where this came from was in Ontario, at least, you would have received an Amber Alert. So a notification when a child goes missing. And this notification was I would say in the past year or so set up that it actually sends you a push notification on your mobile phone, which is quite frankly, a really great idea because when a child goes missing, you need as many people to know about this as possible. And quite frankly, many of us don't watch cable TV or listen to the radio or things like that on a regular basis. We are plugged into music, to podcasts, or just not listening to anything. And so being able to get a push notification is really helpful, especially on your mobile phone. And most of us have our mobile phone attached to their hand, I'd say most hours of the day. And this, this title saying you are horrible people is in reference to uh, one of these push notification Amber Alerts that came out very recently. And I'm going to read a bit of this article <laughs> because it's sad and funny in a bad way. And you'll see why. You are horrible people. I mean that. I'm not being facetious or wry. You are not good people. And by you, I mean everyone in Ontario who had been griping about the Amber Alert that woke most of the province late last night. A family in Brampton, Ontario called police Thursday night because their daughter was missing. The police immediately began to search for the girl and sent out an alert to the public. As a result, her father's car was spotted and he was arrested. Tragically, it was too late for the 11-year-old Rhea Rajkumar, who was found dead. This morning, the chattering classes on the radio, Facebook, Reddit, and Twitter, basically all the places where we now talk amongst ourselves, were whining about being startled out of their sleep. The most common complaint is that they were too far away from the point of the crime to do anything. A woman whose tweet had since been deleted was angry about the second message to say that the alert was now cancelled, believing it unnecessary. And others complained bitterly, saying, We do not work for the police, one man wrote. Some even called 911, not to provide tips, but to criticize the alert. This is a comfortable land. Our cars have heated seats. Our winter coats have Bluetooth. Our hot dinners come right to our door. Life expectancy is higher than it has ever been, and crime is lower than we could have ever hoped. How did this happen? Mostly because we as a society figured out how to move forward together. Collectively, we agreed to a mostly unspoken social compact. If we look after each other, we will all be looked after. There's nothing particularly unique about this. It's a variation of the golden rule, which uh, had been the bedrock of every civilization. But we have grown so entitled to our comforts, we've forgotten that we must pay for them, that we bear collective responsibilities. We can't be bothered to vote. We resent paying taxes for public goods. We volunteer in our community less and less. 
And now we even begrudge having to help save the life of a child. This is what citizens are complaining about today. They were asked to help save a child and this irritated them. In small towns, when a child goes missing, everyone knocks on doors and wakes each other up and searches all night because in a community, people look out for each other. They understand the duty that we owe to our neighbors. They recognize that if you want to live in a town that protects its children, occasionally you have to get up, go outside, and help. This is a point that all the whiners need to understand today. If you want to live in a province that protects its children, occasionally you have to roll over in bed and check your phone. And if that is too much to ask, then you are objectively a horrible person. So I read the whole article because I thought it needed to be read. And this is something that we should all reflect upon, especially if you were one of those people, if you happen to live in Ontario, who were annoyed that they got a notification. In general, there's a trend of apathy that I've been seeing a lot with people, not only in my generation, but other generations, even my parents' age, and saying, why bother? when they have an option to get involved, whether it is voting or whether it is helping out someone in need. And we've become desensitized to all of these issues that are coming in because it seems like every other day there's something that we need to or should be protesting or speaking up about. And so naturally, your filters want to go up. You're like, I can't care about every single cause, so why bother? But if you think about the level of investment or level of energy that you have to put in for something like this versus the potential impact. So even if one person happens to be in the right spot at the right time to see something that could help save a life, then that momentary inconvenience really doesn't matter. So take a moment, chew on that, not to bring you down, but it recently happened and it just made me shake my head. That said, to bring things up a notch, this week's guest is an absolute trailblazer. I actually had the opportunity and I needed to see her after I was unfortunately in a pretty big car accident a couple of years ago. See, I promise this is going to actually get more positive. <laughs> this wonderful, legit lady helped me out tremendously through rehab and her uh, wonderful treatments since she's actually a chiropractor and acupuncturist. She's an entrepreneur. She's the owner of the chiropractic office in Mississauga, and she's had a ton of awards and accolades for her work being a leader in the health field. I'm so proud to introduce the woman who saved me a lot of headaches, a lot of pain, and brought me out from <laughs> a terrible place, Nikessa Remy. Awesome. I'm Good for so you glad. for doing this. Oh, I'm like, so glad to have you. Yeah, it's yeah, it's needed. Yay. Yeah. Women oh. need to hear things like this. Absolutely. Really. really. Yeah. 
Well, that's great. <laughs> that's why I'm grateful and happy to welcome you onto the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yay. <laughs> so the way this works mm-hmm. is we're going to go down 10 main questions. Okay. And lots of follow-up in between. Lots of right. random additional questions. Since you have a lot of great <laughs> mastery and information to oh, share. Thanks. Oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> filling out all of my post-it notes beside me. This is the very high-tech solution. Love it. (laughs) But with that, we're going to dive in with question one, which is what advice would you give to your teenage self? Wow. Okay. So we're talking almost 20 years ago. Wow. Um, No, I think what I would tell myself is that my like I'm worthy of all of the dreams that I have. I think as a kid, I always thought, well, as long as I get a job and, you know, I get a check every two weeks, that means success. But I never thought about actually enjoying what I do. So as a kid, I was almost afraid to like dream big because I just didn't see anybody that was really doing anything that they were passionate about. But I was lucky that I decided to follow my heart, so to speak, and find a career that I'm passionate about. But any young girl that's out there, I would want them to know that you are so worthy of any dream, how big, how small, how crazy it sounds. It doesn't matter. You are worthy of anything that you want to accomplish in this world. So yeah, that's what I would (laughs) tell young Nikessa. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great, great piece of advice. Yeah. And When you said you were growing up, you didn't have any particular dreams or at what point did you start getting these aspirations? Yeah. Well, it's a very interesting story because as a kid, I was very active. Like Mm -hmm. I loved sports and in particular, I loved track and field. So growing up in Toronto, Ben Johnson, before all the scandal, was a really big (laughs) deal. Like he was like the fastest man on the planet and he was from Canada and I was just, I was obsessed with him. And I remember um, like in the late 80s, early 90s, I met him. No, it was late 80s. It was before the scandal. So I met him at a track and field competition and I remember this day like it was yesterday because I was standing right in front of him and there was like a group of kids but I made it to the front and I was like eye level to his stomach and he was wearing (laughs) he was wearing I'd come up to his kneecap (laughs) (laughs) so he was wearing a crop top because that was the style back then was like to have this crop top and I was literally staring at his six pack and I just remember thinking like my dad doesn't have one of those <laughs> sorry dad um, no but shade like, how, exactly <laughs> but like how does he get those muscles like how does his body work like how does he run so fast like I was just obsessed with it and I wanted to know more so that's kind of where my interest in like I guess health wellness sport all that kind of stuff sort of developed was meeting Ben Johnson and just seeing him as like this figurine like this statue of David (laughs) kind of thing like just seeing him that close and realizing wow like he's real and he's strong and he's fast and yeah I was just obsessed at that at that time and wanted to know everything I could about the body so that's kind of where it started with Ben Johnson thank you Ben Johnson (laughs) yes exactly in in a sort of good way this time good way way. (laughs) got it and then from there You studied kinesiology Mm. and that's, I'm assuming that's sort of what informed that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And we know, speaking of women and business and all that kind of stuff that we're going to be talking about, I had a teacher actually, um, Mm. Mrs. Baird, who was my uh, high school gym teacher. And 
I took every one of her courses that she offered because I loved her so much. And so she taught uh, kinesiology in the 12th grade. And um, I was really, I loved the class and I did really well. And she was really motivating and like, the this is something you should think about. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like it's combining sport. It combines the body. So I was like, yeah, this is something that I, I'm really interested in. And so that's what got me into kinesiology at university was mm-hmm. taking that class and thinking, yeah, I want to learn more about it. Although I didn't know, quite know what I wanted to do with it. Yeah. I just knew I wanted to learn more. So that's how I kind of ended up in the kinesiology route. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I empathize because I also studied kinesiology yes. too. And it was also the, for me, like being a dancer, knowing about the body and also being a science nerd in high school, <laughs> I'm like, okay, what's the cool way to be able to do the two things together? Right. Um, with me, I had no intent of potentially becoming an occupational therapist. I just thought it was cool and interesting and I didn't right. want to take something more generic. So I'm like, this sounds interesting. <laughs> Don't yeah. know where it's going to lead me <laughs> but just went with it it's true I get it. it's I true get it. and and so at what point in your kin degree did you decide on where you wanted to specialize it wasn't until after i graduated okay <laughs> because in kin like you can they tell you and they teach you that you can be so many different things i could have been a phys ed teacher i could have gone to med school done physio um coaching so i really graduated kind of not sure what i wanted to do so i thought the best thing to do was I was kind of leaning toward physio. So I was like, why don't I work for a year? So I worked as a kinesiologist at a physiotherapy clinic. However, when I got there, their physio had been fired. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So here I am, first day. Oh, I'm so excited to work with this physio. Ah, oh, surprise, no physio. So I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, oh, there's this chiropractor you're going to be working with. So I'm like, okay. So she comes out of the room and she's like a black female doctor. She's Dr. Nicole Golden. And I was just like looking at her because at that point in my life, and I think I was like 20, maybe 21, I had never met or even maybe seen a black female doctor. And being a black female myself, I was kind of like, oh, well, who are you? How did you get here? Who's this mystical creature? She was, she was this creature to me. I was like, I need to know more. I need to know everything about you. Who are you? How did you get here? your best friend. Exactly, exactly. I was like, forget about working. I just want to talk to you for eight hours a day. I have so many questions. And um, yeah, and so I met her and was just, she was just lovely. Like she was smart. She loved what she was doing. She was so patient with me and all of my questions. And again, tying into like kind of like this female mentor, she was like, you know what? I think chiropractic would be good for you. And watching her like use her hands to help people get better, feel better. She wasn't prescribing medication. She wasn't doing surgery. She was literally just using her own hands to help people feel better. I was like, that that's it. Ding, 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 light bulb or whatever went off in my head. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And so I applied and yeah, a month later I got into uh, chiropractic school wow. and yeah, and it was, yeah, best decision career decision I've made to date. Are you still in touch with her? I'm not, unfortunately. <sighs> we were in touch for a few years and then I think she had she had babies and she took time off and then at that point, sadly, we lost touch. Mm-hmm. And um, I really, it's funny, like I've, I've actually talked about her. I did, I did this other interview a few years ago and talked about her hoping like maybe <laughs> she'll like hear it and be like, hey, Nagesa. Yeah. Um, but no, sadly, we, we lost touch. But I'm very grateful for having met her for sure. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe she'll listen to this I know, someday. Maybe. That'd she be great. Contact me. Because <laughs> of Remy, I'm everywhere. Just Google me. Yeah. <laughs> Just Google me. Exactly. You'll find me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what a great story. Yeah. And you mentioned at that point in your career, there being a lack of representation. Yeah. Of black women in the medical field. How have you seen that shift now? Mm. And what are some ways we can continue to foster that kind of inclusive space? That's so important. I'm so glad you asked that. Um, I have to say, like, when I was in chiropractic school, my class was a very special class because we actually had, there was five um, black females. And that was like the most black students that I think had ever been in a chiropractic school. And we're talking, when was this? I started in like 2003, 2004. The chiropractic school had been around for like 40 years. And at that point, I don't think they've ever had a class that had more than one or two black students. So the fact that there was five of us was amazing. amazing. And the classes after me, I don't even think have had that many. So our class was a very special class. Um, but before that, like throughout university, being in kin programs and doing different um, science things, medical um, groups, there wasn't a lot of black females. There wasn't a lot of black students in general in my um, at my university. And why do we think that is? And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that First of all, university is expensive. And Mm. I'm sure if we look at the black population and look at like all of the socioeconomic stats, you know, we're not in the upper class. A lot of families are struggling and Mm. university is a huge expense. And, you know, I, I know for me, like my mom wanted me to go to university and my parents were really for it, but I knew they weren't going to pay for it because they didn't have the funds. So we did a lot of research on finding OSAP, finding uh, other funding through the banks. Like we had to work to find the funding and maybe not everybody has access to that or the knowledge to do that. So one of the things that I think is really important for people like myself is to go back to our high schools, our grade schools, so that people like don't have to wait till they're 20 or 21 like I did to have Mm -hmm. to see a black female doctor like that shouldn't be the case especially in Toronto Mm -hmm. so I for example um, do this event every year called the excellence conference so it's actually a conference that was started in a black church in Mississauga it's a huge church and what they do is they have a day where they invite black professionals of all all occupations you can think of pilots, to um, PR people, to people in tech, they have us all come down and it's like almost like a career fair. So students can come and ask us different questions about our careers, how we got there, schooling. But the other thing they do that I think is so important is they invite parents and parents come in and they have different lectures. Lectures are being held by people in the school board, teachers, principals, superintendents, to give them information on how to get your kids tutoring if they need extra help, how to find grants for your your kids to go to post-secondary education. So I think doing more of that, really going back and educating the community is key to helping those numbers increase. 
That sounds like an amazing event. Yeah. And you said it happens only once a year? Only once a year. Okay. They do it in the fall. And I think they were looking at doing it in the fall and the spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know last year they actually had on, I think it was the same weekend or maybe one weekend apart. They did one in Brampton and then mm-hmm. they did another one, I think, in Ajax because the response was so good. I mean, yeah. the one year I did it, the people were coming in from like Hamilton to come to this event. Yeah. And so... Um, anything I can do to support things like that, I want to do because it's so important. We need more diversity in all aspects. hundred <laughs> percent. And yeah. you're right. That barrier to entry can sometimes just be dollars. Exactly. It's not necessarily capacity or no, intellect or anything no. like that, which is really annoying in my opinion. Yeah. So I, I love that initiative and hopefully there's more that can yes. continue. I know I'm always looking for ways to kind of give back. And I have lots of friends that I've met over the years that are in, you know, similar positions, professionals like myself that want to give back. Cause we don't want to be the only one when mm-hmm. we're in meetings or at events, like there should be more of us. So yes. I know a lot of us are passionate about increasing the numbers for sure. Yeah. You're so inspiring. <laughs> I, I, I knew there were many reasons why I wanted to invite you on, but here's just another one to add to the list. Great. Uh, and you mentioned dreaming big. You're worthwhile. Yeah. You're worthy of the dreams yeah. that you have. So what are you dreaming about right now? Right now, my dreams are very focused <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> I just opened up a clinic in uh, Mississauga. So very exciting. So um, it's uh, a new facility. It's a lot bigger than anything I've ever done before. Uh, so that really is where all my thoughts and focus is on is just getting that up and running. Um, and we are in week three. Yeah. And it's coming along. It's coming along. So my dream really is just to create a multidisciplinary clinic where people can come in no matter how much money they make, what education they have, they can come in and really have all aspects of their health taken care of. So that is my big dream. That is what I'm currently working towards. (laughs) And yeah, it's what's keeping me up at night (laughs) right now. Well, especially so fresh after, because you've you've always had a clinic there. This is just an expansion. Yeah, because the first clinic I had was really small. It was really just me and one massage therapist. So Mm -hmm. it was very small. And I guess, too, we talk about dreaming big. Like I, I was there for eight years and it was it was successful, but it started to get comfortable mm-hmm. and I wasn't really like growing or uh, yeah, I was starting to feel a little stagnant. And I know that's never a good thing. Um, so I, I spent a year figuring out, OK, what can I do to challenge myself a little bit while also doing what I love, which is helping educate people on how to to be healthy. So yeah, the idea was born and yeah, we're three weeks in, like I said, and it's it's happening. <laughs> it's Boom. happening. Boom. That yeah. little girl who didn't have big dreams. Look at her now. I know. I, <laughs> honestly, if I look back, I never would have thought I'd be doing this. Never in a million years. Wow. So yeah, it's just been through a lot of lot of great mentoring and just, yeah, always challenging myself and just believing that I can do as corny as it sounds, but yeah, you can do anything you want to do as long as you work hard. Right. So 
That's, that's what I'm telling myself every night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's your mantra. Well, congratulations. Yeah, that's a you. huge accomplishment. Thank you so much. And I remember when you, we were talking about this a little while ago mm-hmm. um, and it was coming up, you were saying, listen, this has been uh, an incredible journey, but mm. very challenging. It's forced me to, to face yeah. a lot of conversations and things for the first time that I would never have dreamt of, especially yeah. being a, a female business owner. Yeah. Um, can you share a little bit more about that experience? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, there have been a lot of little bumps in the road. Um, For example, like the whole renovation of the space, for instance, I don't know anything about renovation. I don't know anything about air quality and ducts and, and <laughs> types of flooring. Only I just want to go quack. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I watch HGTV sometimes. Like, that's, 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 as far as I, that's as far as it gets. So in kind of designing this whole thing, you know, I had a strict budget that I wanted to stay in, but the contractors, they're always trying to tell you, oh, no, you need this, you need that, you need that. And I'm just thinking, do I really need all of this? Like what is this sconce thing he's talking about? Some light fixture? Like, can I just put a fluorescent light in there? Like why? Like that was very intimidating to me because I'm in a situation where I really don't know anything about what they're talking about. And, um, you know, I, at night I would try to go home and like Google things and try to figure it out. But it was just, that was really overwhelming. And because I'm a woman dealing with three guys like that are sitting me down at a table telling me I need this, this and this. And I'm like, I don't know if I need any of it. That was really challenging for me. So what I decided to do, because the research wasn't working, I was just too tired at night to go Google flooring. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You mean that's not what you want to do after a full day's work? It's not not really a good Friday night for me. (laughs) Not not really into that. (laughs) Flooring in in sconces. So fun. (laughs) Not my idea of a good night. So um, (laughs) I'm very lucky um, that my dad was formerly in construction before he retired. Oh, that's convenient. (laughs) I really, really, really relied on him. And I think learning that it's okay to ask for help. Like, I don't know everything. Like I wish sometimes I want to be that superwoman that said, yeah, I designed this clinic myself. And yeah, I picked the colors myself. I didn't do any of that. A lot of it is I just don't have the time to do it, but also I just didn't know. So asking my dad to like come in and kind of help and, and explain things was really helpful. Like Honestly, I don't even know why I didn't think about doing it sooner. I really just thought I wanted to do everything on my own. So for me, realizing that it's okay to ask for help and like my dad, I mean, it was his dream to come and help me. Like I, I didn't even think about that at first. Like, of course he wants to help me. He's my dad. Yeah. Right. Like why wouldn't I think to ask him that? Well, before I'm sitting at this three hour meeting, just people literally are talking a different language and I'm just sitting there smiling like, okay. (laughs) Okay. Cause I don't want to be disagreeable. I just want to be like, okay, yeah. Okay. Sure. 20,000. Okay. Sure. Like it was ridiculous. So my dad came to, came in and really, really helped me kind of navigate through that mm-hmm. and having him by my side also helped give me more confidence. So I felt like, yeah, this is what we want. This is what I, what I can afford. This is what I can't afford. Like it really helped me take charge of the situation. So that was really, um, something that, I look back at now and thought, yeah, that taught me a lot. Like I've never really asked for help before. I wasn't Mm -hmm. something that I, I don't know, not that it's necessarily a sign of weakness. Maybe sometimes I do think it's a sign of weakness or I'm just really proud and want to say I did it all on my own. Yeah. So that was a learning experience asking for help. (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's a really refreshing 
thought that having an advocate by your side um, can really help you so significantly and can help you be even more aware and even more strong in the decisions that you make, you know, and having that advocate there doesn't take anything away from you. It just allows you to unleash that fury and that power so So you don't feel like you have to devolve into that like agreeable yes person because it's this is outside your domain right no it's so true i i didn't realize how strong having help would make me feel yeah and it really did it really did. So that was something that I, I cherished from this whole craziness of getting this clinic ready. <laughs> Man, what a cool experience. Hopefully yeah. you took your dad out for dinner or something. As a thank Not you. Yet. I owe him. I owe him. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> I hope he's not listening. It's coming, dad. It's yeah. coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, I'd love to move on to question two, yeah. which is what's your proudest accomplishment? Uh, I have two. <laughs> <laughs> only, the, only, only two, two. yeah, <laughs> for sure. I know. Um, I was doing my research on you. You're su- super yeah, impressive. No, the, the two that stick out, and well, definitely opening the doors to my to this recent clinic in Mississauga. That has definitely just taken the cake in terms of proudest moment and I'm still processing that moment Mm -hmm. um so that was awesome and the second one was actually it's just funny but true learning to drive standard (laughs) was like the really yes (laughs) learning to drive standard was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do and I learned when I was I was still in chiropractic school so this is about like 10 15 years ago not too long ago because I learned to drive um, automatic and then my car broke down and my dad's like, look, this is all I can afford is this car. So you're going to have to learn to drive it. And so he bought it for me. I think it was like August 15th and school started August 28th. Oh, wow. So I had like a week to learn to drive standard. And I remember my brother saying, it's going to take you a weekend. Like, you'll be fine. You can learn it in a weekend. He learned it in a weekend. After two days, I was in tears. I remember coming home and like telling my mom, we have to get rid of this car. I can't drive it. I'm stalling in the middle of the street. Like, it was, it was horrible. Like, it was so horrible. I feel learn. like that would be me. I, I literally, like, yes. I, I, I grew up, I'm born and raised in a city. I literally mm. just got my full license, like, last month. Only, right. only out of a state of, like, yeah, I should probably have this. Not, right. not any necessity. <laughs> so, I, I can only imagine that if I tried to learn standard, I would be the exact same yes. way. <laughs> it was, oh my goodness. It was one of the scariest things. Because you're literally stalling, like, in the middle of the road. People are honking at you. It was, Aww. it was terrifying and. And I, yeah, there were moments where I was just like, I think I'm just going to take the bus to, to, to chiropractic school. It would take me two and a half hours, but I just can't drive. So after many coaches, my brother, my dad, uh, my friends, like I had so many people help me Aww. that luckily on August 28th, literally the day I started school, I, that was the first day where I actually drove and did not stall. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that seriously... <laughs> Out of the sheer fear of like stalling and just wanting to give up day after day after day, when I finally drove to school, that was one of the proudest moments. And I still, yeah, I cherish that moment. (laughs) That was a big moment for me. That is awesome. Yeah. Do you still drive standard? I I ended up driving standard for 
a good yeah seven eight years wow yeah the car You're I have now now. yeah <laughs> i could easily drive standard now now it's like please no problem yeah but it'll be good i'll Europe. tell you <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> for those few days oh it was it was hard it was very hard yeah very hard <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, know, but yeah, one of my proudest moments getting to school in this in that vehicle. Oh man, good to know. So if I ever need to learn how to drive standard, I'm, I uh, yes, I know who I'm yes, calling. I've up. learned some things. Cassie, can you please save me from yes. myself? <laughs> I will be there. I promise you. Oh, that's that's awesome. <laughs> All right. So question three, and I'm curious to hear this because yeah. I know you're a busy lady. Is how do you balance work and life? Well, that's always like a hard question for me i heard someone once say like there is no such thing as balance it's more like harmony mm. and i kind of get that because <laughs> i never feel balanced like i'm doing enough work and enough like enjoyment of my life i never feel balanced <laughs> like it's just it, i i just haven't in the last 11 12 years i've been doing this i just never felt balanced but there are times where i feel harmonious mm. like i know okay today for example was a very busy day at work. Um, it, I have a girlfriend right now who's, for example, like going through a breakup and I know she needs me. And today I was like, I can't text her. Like I just, I have too much going on. But I knew that when I got, when I get home later, I have this video that I'm going to send her, like just a motivational video that I found. So I'm going to send that to her and then I'll oh, feel good, good about myself. Are, right? Yeah. So for me, it's like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, I should just take five minutes and text her, but I just can't because I got to get this file done. I got to get this patient note done and da, da, da. But I knew that when I get home, I'll have a few minutes for her. So even though it's not going to be till later today, I'm still going to get it done. So for me, it's about harmony. It's mm -hmm. kind of knowing that, yes, yeah, sometimes I am more focused on having fun and I'm not thinking about all the things I have to get done. And that's okay because the next day or two days later, <laughs> I will get it done. So it's all about just understanding for me that I'm never going to feel balanced and that's okay. There will always be one thing that's getting more of my attention than the other. And that's okay because it will all work itself out. <laughs> yeah. It, is that, it seems like this is something that you self-talk yourself, like yes. especially if you get really busy or if you're in a stressful oh, state of mind, absolutely. do you, you just tell yourself I that? I tell myself that. Okay. Absolutely. Self-talk is so important for my mental health, for everything that I do. I need to remind myself, like I'm not, I'm not perfect. There are mornings where I wake up and I feel like I don't think I can get through the day. But mm -hmm. if I remind myself of the things that I've done that I'm proud of, if I remind myself of what I accomplished the day before, that gives me that little pick me up that I need to get out there and do it all over again. So I never stop. Like it's always a continuous um, conversation. <laughs> I sound crazy, but there's, no, a, no, con yeah, there's a continuous conversation in my mind because I never want, I've been in like when I started a business and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. There were days where I was just so upset and just so down on myself and I never, ever want to get to that part point again. So yeah, I talked to myself through a lot of things and I will continue to do that. <laughs> you know, and it's so important. I mean, some people, they, they write notes on their mirror. Yeah. So they see it in, you know, every single morning when they're brushing their teeth, exactly. but having that reflex to just do it yourself automatically yes. is, is a good one because sometimes that stress or that feeling of being overwhelmed can just drag us into a spiral. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm not perfect. It's not always automatic. Sometimes I have to force myself to do it, but that's okay. That's okay. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> 
You're so chill. Oh. This is so great. I feel more relaxed just talking to you. Awesome. It's like part you, part the wine. We're yes, good. I know. I think it's a little more wine. <laughs> no, no, no. More no, you than the wine. <laughs> okay, question four. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about a difficult moment in your life? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, business-wise, I got, how I ended up actually starting having to start my own practice was I was working in a practice for someone else. And um, he was a great business owner, but not necessarily a healthcare business owner. He mm. was all about quantity versus quality of care. Mm. And so he was creating an environment where a lot of the practitioners just were not feeling comfortable. And it got to the point where patients were noticing that like practitioners were coming and going, like people were quitting and they started to comment to me on like, Hey, yeah, what's going on here? Are things good here? And the fact that they could sense it, that's when I knew I was like, I got to get out of here. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it was already draining on me, but the fact that my patients were now sensing it too meant this is not a healthy environment. And here I am dealing with people who are injured or who need healthy advice and I'm in a place, an environment where I just don't feel healthy. I feel sick. Like, how can I possibly help them? (laughs) So, yeah, it got to a point where I just, I had to leave. And um, I had a a colleague uh, that I was working with at the time. She was like, hey, I'm leaving too. I'm going to start a little gym. And if you want to rent some space, you can have an office there. So I was like, okay. I didn't have a lot of money. I was, I think I was two years out of school. So I had all this debt, but I was like, I have to do something. I can't stay here because my patients aren't getting better. And that's my number one goal. So I have to move and create a space where they can get better. So that was great. We ended up um, moving into a place and then we got sued by what? Yes, we got sued. <gasps> so he ended up suing us for a lot of ridiculous stuff, like literally. What? <laughs> the Wait, so your your previous employer? Yes, oh my god! Sued myself and this other woman who had left, and another massage therapist who had left as well. He sued us for things. I kid you not. It read in the um, in the lawsuit for stealing paper clips, what? staples. <laughs> paper like this is i'm word for word this is what we were sued for and a whole bunch of other random things that never happened why he was mad that we left uh what i did not realize was he sadly um was suffering from some mental health issues Mm. later we found out he was diagnosed with like manic um depression Mm. so he was having his own issues and he just wasn't capable of running a business and um but yeah he sued us then he would like drive to our facility and sit in the parking lot like it was just it was horrible it was absolutely horrible and what i just remember do? i was terrified like i'd never been sued before uh because he was suing us for like a hundred thousand dollars or something crazy and i was just like uh, what do i do what do we do um so luckily we we, uh, we had a lawyer and he kind of explained it to us and really just reassured us and of course nothing came of it because there was no legitimacy behind the lawsuit but there was a period of a good six to eight weeks where I was panicked like I really didn't know what to do what had I got myself into you know it it was just it was horrible like I questioned starting my own business should I have done that should I have just stayed like yeah it was not a good a good time but through that 
it just taught me that like anytime you get through anything that's difficult, you realize just how resilient you are. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was able to treat patients to continue to build a practice, even while all of this craziness was going on, you know, outside. But um, yeah, it all resolved itself. And yeah, my practice flourished. So really, I just take it as an experience that taught me just to keep believing in myself and just put one foot in front of the other. Just keep going. No matter what stressors or what's happening, just keep moving forward and you will eventually get through it. Wow. Yeah. yeah your your <laughs> character really develops and really reflects when you're going yes. through that type of adversity. Exactly. Good on you. Exactly. <laughs> I would have like gone out there and like thrown water on him or something. Like <laughs> we had to literally refrain ourselves from like going out there and banging on his window. Oh, that's terrifying. But, uh, it was, yeah, it was scary and just, oh yeah. But it's part of the past and something that like, I learned a lot. So yeah, no wonder his practice wasn't doing well. If he was spending all this yeah. energy stalking you guys. Eventually, Jeez. yeah, he lost his practice and wow. Yeah. So okay. speaking of really great patient care, <laughs> yes, <laughs> not that guy, you, yeah, uh, thanks. <laughs> um, I, I noticed that you, you won an award actually for patient oh, care yeah. in 2017 did, yeah. from the Ontario Chiropractic Association yes. and was curious if you wouldn't mind sharing um, if there were things or if there are things that you do that are very front of mind for you as a practitioner mm -hmm. that obviously led to you winning <sighs> that award or just in general things that you do that create a really great uh, patient practitioner relationship that's a great question um i think for me the one thing that i really try to do is to educate my patients i never want my patients to be reliant on me only to mm -hmm. get them to feel better i want them to know that or to feel that they are also in control of their own health mm -hmm. so yes you know things happen and you might need it to come in to get treatment but Part of that treatment is going to be me educating, educating you on what exactly is going on with your body. Because I 100% believe that if patients really understand what's going on, why you're doing the treatment you're doing, they'll actually respond better to treatment. So you have to take the time to educate them. And then you have to take the time to really push them into the driver's seat of their health. So show them the exercises that they should be doing, the stretches they should be doing, how to set up their desk if it's a postural ergonomic thing. Like you really want to make them feel like they are their own champions of health. And I'm really just here as a resource. That's it. I'm not, you know, God, I'm not here to cure anybody. I'm just here to help people feel better and then educate them on how to maintain it. Mm -hmm. That's it. So mm -hmm. I think that's kind of, what maybe led <laughs> to me um, getting that award is, yeah, the focus, the focus on education. It's so important, in my opinion, so important for patients. Yeah, you're just spreading the good. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I know that health advocacy and saying that we need to be our own health advocates yeah. is, is a really important thing to you. 100%. Aside from education, is there anything else we should be doing to be strong advocates of her own health? Yeah. I mean, education is so important, but also just trusting your instincts. Like mm. you, I tell this to patients all the time, you know your body better than I do. Sure. I know the science, I know the anatomy, but not everybody's the same. Mm. Not everybody responds to this stretch the same way or to this treatment the same way. So trust your instincts. You are the best advocate for your own health because you know your body better than anybody else. Never let 
a doctor or anyone tell you something that doesn't feel right. If it doesn't feel right, trust your instincts, get a second opinion, Mm -hmm. do more research, whatever you have to do, never doubt that voice inside of you that might be saying something is wrong or I don't think this treatment is right for me. Do the research and just, yeah, believe that you know what's best for your body. Yeah. Yeah, that's important to hear since, mm-hmm. especially with a lot of Western medicine, we've been groomed to just believe whatever we're told. Yeah. And that's not always a good thing. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Like, I have patients come in sometimes, not at my clinic downtown, but they may have gone to see doctors elsewhere, like mm-hmm. family doctors who have said, oh, no, don't do not do acupuncture. Acupuncture is no good for you. Or you shouldn't see a chiropractor. They're, they're just going to crack your back. That's not going to help. And really patients will come in and say things like, oh, but I shouldn't tell my doctor that I'm here because this isn't good. And I'm like, what? What do you mean this oh isn't gosh. good? <laughs> like, what? And so I think you have to do your research. Like, yes, doctors know a lot, but they don't know everything. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're, they're limited. We're all limited in what we know, but you know your body. So if there's something that you think you need, you think you might benefit from, do your research and ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Never just rely on what a doctor tells you. Yeah, because I mean, any practitioner yeah. has their, their own biases too of what That's they think is, is right. And also there are some fantastic practitioners that are lifelong learners. And so yes. as, as new studies come out, as new practices are, are being developed, they are really taking a leading edge approach on that yeah. stuff. But then there's the exact opposite end of the spectrum of people who are firmly old school and they're doing their things in the way that they've always done it. And yes. that's, that's that. So I, I love what you're sharing here. And since you brought up, literally, I wrote this down. I was oh. like, some people think chiropractic is just back cracking. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Can you tell us more? Just like at a high yeah. level, because myself included, you are the first chiropractor I I've ever seen right and and that was out of a you know state of necessity and also yeah. like from because i was in a car accident and uh and through the insurance coverage that came with that accident um it said you get to spend this much on cairo and this much uh on on registered registered massage therapy i'm right. like cairo okay that sounds interesting <laughs> i mean i again i have this like almost uh like comic notion of what it is right i'm like oh i guess maybe you know it'll be like a souped up massage or something right, like that right. um or back cracking i'm like well hopefully that makes me feel better i don't know so <laughs> for the people who were like me yeah. or are like me um do you mind speaking a little bit about just that kind of treatment style? yeah for sure mm-hmm. so i should start off by saying that not all chiropractors treat exactly the way i do i was trained here in canada and there's only one school here in canada but a lot of canadian chiropractors were trained in the states and are taught differently but what i always tell patients is Chiropractors, yes, we do focus on the spine because we believe or we understand the importance of having a spine that works well and should move well um, because it supports all the muscles of the body. So that's important. But we don't just focus on the back. We can treat any joint in the body. So that could be your shoulder joint. It could be your wrist joint, your knee. We treat all joints of the body. The other thing we treat are muscles. (laughs) So if you have tight muscles, if you have a muscle strain, a muscle pull, we are educated on treating that. So the fancy term is neuromusculoskeletal, which just means nerves, muscles, joints. If you have a nerve issue like carpal tunnel, headaches, we got you. If you have a muscle issue, like I said, like pulls or knots, 
we got that too. Or if you have joint issues like arthritis or ankle sprains, we can treat that as well. So it's not just treating the back. We really are taught how to treat the entire body and our approach is very holistic. We don't just focus on the cracking. We focus on everything that works around the spine. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of what we do in a nutshell. <laughs> that's awesome. And then I'm going to throw you another curveball. Yeah. Probably not curveball, oh. but uh, <laughs> just, just to, to flip it. Cause yeah. you're also a registered acupuncturist yes. too. And even, yeah. even more so, I think a lot of people are wary of acupuncture. Yeah. A lot of people oh. think it's super like woo woo. and yeah, or it's just, painful. Or it's painful. Exactly. Yeah. I might, again, myself included before I, I, and Luckily, I, I did see someone before you with acupuncture, so yeah. at least I, I didn't. I, you, you didn't take my acupuncture okay. virginity, but <laughs> so. But again, for a lot of the people listening, they've never considered acupuncture because they think it's weird to, right. to be like a pen doll. Which, yeah, no, it's true. I hear that all the time. But the thing about acupuncture, I mean, it's been around for like over 2000 years or something like it's been around for a long, long time. And it's been around for a long time because it's effective. Um, and nowadays, like within the last maybe 20 ish years, there is a lot more research being done on acupuncture and its effectiveness, um, from treating everything like headaches to anxiety to fertility issues. It's being used for so many things, which is why I wanted to add it to my practice. Um, so I went to school, um, and became a registered acupuncturist. And for me, it just works hand in hand with the chiropractic. So we use the acupuncture to really help get things moving internally. And then the chiropractic kind of works externally is how I look at it. Um, but yeah, acupuncture is not painful. Uh, we're not like, you know, trying to draw blood <laughs> from you or anything like that. Uh, it's a new, should, new version, the yeah, masochistic version exactly. of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it should never be painful. And it does work where, like it works very locally. So if someone has a knot, I can acupuncture the knot to help kind of break the knot from the inside out. But it also works systemically. So even like with digestive issues and things like that, you can use acupuncture to help with those things as well. So for me, I highly recommend acupuncture for so many types of injuries and conditions. And it is very effective. Like I, I, I've been doing acupuncture now for 12 years. And I can honestly say for 95% of my patients, it has been effective. Yeah. <laughs> Myself included. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. I know. I'll, awesome. I'll never forget the first time that there's like this one needle area on the top of your head. Yes. And, uh, and you're like, this is the one that calms you and, and, you know, takes away stress and this and that. And literally I fell asleep on the table uh, during like in the middle of a busy work day. That's what I, yeah. <laughs> it's, it works. It works. That's it was, how effective it is. Yeah. Proof in the pudding. Take it from me. <laughs> uh, all right. I got, I got plenty, plenty of, um, health and Cairo questions here, but I want to hop yeah. back to our, our 10 so we can keep going. Definitely. Uh, and number five is who or what inspires you the most? Who or what? Oh, ooh. Um, that's a great question. <laughs> From a personal point of view, I think my biggest inspiration, grab the tissues, is my mom. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> um, I mean, my mom is not an entrepreneur or anything like that. But what she's taught me is, and I use this in my practice, is the importance of 
listening to people and making sure that people are being heard. Um, so in my practice, I really try like when patients come in, especially for the first time to really give them the space to tell me everything that's going on. Um, because a lot of times, especially like in the medical, the traditional medical system, it's like your appointments are 15 minutes and you got to just you know, keep the Coles Notes version of it and just, you know, hopefully the doctor understands or knows what's going on. Throw some drugs at them. Right. That's, <laughs> the, you know, sadly, that's a lot of a lot of what happens. But um, in my practice, I really want to make sure that they understand that I am there to listen. And, and what I find, and we actually learned this in chiropractic school, is 70% of the time you can diagnose a patient if you just listen to them. So before you even test them, put your hands on them, if you just take the time to listen, you can have that diagnosis already. So mm. that's how important it is to be heard. And my mom is so great at that. Like she just makes you feel like you're the most important person when you're talking to her. And um, yeah, she's just a, a very wonderful, loving, loving woman. And um, I do hope that I emulate some of that and can bring some of that into my practice. And then from a business point of view, there's so many amazing women out there. Uh, like the, Yay. right. There's just so many, I mean, you've got the big ones like Michelle Obama. I love her. Mm. Uh, I just started reading her book. So I'm really yeah, excited that's for on that. My to read list. Yeah. yeah so sure. I just, I, I love her. And then there's a lot of other women that I work with that I absolutely love. Um, the woman who I worked with for eight years, who started, um, the fitness business that I rented space out of Karen, she ran her own business for many years and her business and working with her ha has grown tremendously. And she, what she's taught me is the importance of being passionate about what you do. She lives and breathes fitness. Like just, and it doesn't matter if she teaches like five classes in a row, her energy level is just high the entire time because you can literally feel how much love and passion she has for what she's doing. So th she's really taught me a lot about that. And then, um, just the women that I work with, like downtown, we work with some amazing medical doctors who are just so caring. Like I've never met family doctors that are just so caring and really want their patients to get better. And they know that, Hey, drugs aren't going to help you go see the massage therapist or go see the naturopath. They understand the importance of treating the patient holistically. Mm -hmm. So watching them grow their practice and have their patients just talk so highly of them. I want that too. So there's just a lot of fabulous women out there <laughs> that yeah. I've been blessed to, to work with or to network with that are doing amazing things. And I only wish that the spotlight was shone more on them, which is why I'm so happy to be here because I think so many women deserve their stories to be told and they're just not getting told, right? That's why so. we're doing what we're doing yeah. and, and, and starting here tonight with you, awesome. um, which uh, so I, I actually really loved what you said about your mom mm -hmm. um, and making people feel heard. Yeah. Was that something that was just innate in her? Was it something that she developed? Was it something she, she used mm -hmm. in her work? That's a very good question. It's funny you say that because my mom right now is actually in Dominica, where she was born, um, taking care of her mom. Beautiful place. Who is, yes. Hopefully you can go beautiful. visit. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Escape the winter. Uh, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> my grandmother, who I'm not very close with because I've only met her a handful of times, but she is nothing like my mom. Like mm. she's like, 
for as long as I've known her, she's been like this grouchy, cold, <laughs> like just, yeah, not not mean, but just not nice. Mm-hmm. And so I always wonder, like, did my mom develop, like, to turn into who she is because she wanted to be the exact opposite of her mom? <laughs> like, I wonder that because I'm just like, my grandmother is nothing like my mom. Like, just they really are opposites. Um, and so I wonder sometimes, like, is that why? Because for as long as I've known, she's just been such a loving person. So maybe I'll have to ask her one day if that's the reason why. Because I can't say that, you know, as I got older, she became more love. It's not that. She's just always been like that, at least mm. for the 30 plus years that I've known her. She's always been like that. So I can't... I. I don't know. I I personally think if I had to guess, it has something to do. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, I don't want to be like that. Yeah, let me, exactly. Let me care. Yeah. And, and are there any tactics in particular that you try to emulate to make people feel listened to? Oh, 100%. So, for example, like I always make sure, like I'm never, I never want to be sitting because in the medical room, sometimes you have like these desks with computers. I never want to be like facing the computer, even though I have to take notes. I always want to make sure that I'm looking at the patient and we're on the same level. I should never be standing. I always have to be sitting and be on the same level with that patient. Um, anything that I can do to make them feel comfortable, I will do so. So just little things like that, like my posture, my positioning, I want to make sure it's good for the patient. Mm. And the other thing too, and which is one of the reasons why I want to start my own practice is even things like the atmosphere within the clinic. Like I never want a clinic that feels too medical Mm -hmm. because people are coming, they're in pain, they're hurt. You don't want bright lights all the time. Like you need to create a calm, welcoming environment. So it starts with literally like the paint color on your walls or the type of chair they're sitting on. Like you really, as a, as an owner, you really have to think about these things. Like they're Mm -hmm. important aspects to your clinic is you need to create that environment where they feel, where patients feel comfortable enough to kind of put the walls down and tell you exactly what's going on. As embarrassing as sometimes it can be, you Mm -hmm. want them to feel comfortable enough to do that. That's a great point. My hypothetical yeah. clinic would have twinkle lights and beanbag chairs. So <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and a bar. Totally oh, counterproductive. Yes. <laughs> but I, anyway. I never hurt anybody. Right? Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Uh, question six mm. is what is the most adventurous thing you have ever done? Mm. Not too long ago, funny enough. So I got out of a long term relationship. This has nothing to do with business. But anyways, I got I got out of a <laughs> This long-term. podcast doesn't have to be purely yeah, exactly. business. It's, it's good. It's good. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and um, one of the first things I did was I went on a girls trip. So me and four of the girls, we went to Iceland and Amsterdam, which was awesome. And part of it, one day we were drinking wine, having dinner, and they were all talking about the places that they had ventured to on their own. And I was like, I've never been anywhere on my own. Like, and I was like 36 at the time. I'm like, I've. I've never been on a plane by myself, like really nothing by myself. So I was like, this is, this is crazy. And so that year, since I was alone, I was like, you know what? I'm going to book a trip. So I booked a trip to Thailand by myself, packed a backpack. I still can't believe I did this because I'm such, I'm not a backpacker at all. Like I love comfort luxury. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a backpacker, but I was like, 
I'm just going to do it. I'm going to just go for nine or 10 days, just go across Thailand and see what happens. And so I planned little bits of where I wanted to go. Um, but in each place, I went to three different places. I kind of just played it by ear. And it was crazy. Like, <laughs> like I mean, <laughs> hopping like in the back of this pickup truck, because I think they're going to the bus terminal that I want to go to. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. But there's somebody else who says they're going to the bus terminal. So just hopping on the bus and... <laughs> getting to some terminal that eventually took me to an airport. Um, but it was just, it was scary. It was exhilarating. It was fun. It was a little lonely, but it all in all, I came back, not the same person I was before because I never thought I could do it. And again, I, I feel like I said this earlier, you just, when you go through these experiences that you just never thought you could possibly do and you come out on the other end, there's no way you can be the same person. Like, I just don't think you can. Like, mm -hmm. you learn so much, you shed layers of, I don't know, fear or whatever, and you come back a different person. And after those 10 days, I came back a different person. I had never done anything like that in my life. Um, and I, to this day, encourage everyone to do that. I think everyone should just take a solo trip somewhere and just do what you want to do when you want to do it. Like just, just challenge yourself. Cause to me, mm -hmm. that was a big challenge and yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. And I got food poisoning. Oh God. It was just oh, awesome. Oh no. You got food poisoning got food while you were there by yourself. <laughs> I was there by oh. myself. Like it was, it was just, but you know what? I wouldn't change it because I'm telling you, I took care of myself. Mm -hmm. I got through it. I didn't call my mom like I normally would do if I was here. Yep. I just got through it myself. And yeah, it was, like I said, it was a whole mixture of emotions, but one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Yeah. Hands down. <laughs> That's so cool. I mean, I, I'm a globetrotter. I, I love to travel yeah. and I, I've done my fair share of traveling by myself along with other people yeah. too, which is great. Uh, it's a conversation. I remember a, a group of friends having a while back where it, it was one of the girls. She said, you know what? Mm. Um, I'd always been used to traveling with say like her ex significant other mm -hmm. um, and always following behind them because they were the one always leading the way. They right. were always the one sort of making the executive decision on where, where to go, where to eat, what to do. And right. but she just felt very comfortable with that. She like, she was fine with it. It wasn't yeah. bad, but the difference in having this fall all on your shoulders and the excitement and the agency uh, that yes. you can just do whatever you want, whatever you want. Yeah. Um, it, it is absolutely amazing. It is. Uh, it's so cool. A hundred percent. Yeah. What were some of the key learnings or key takeaways that you mm. gained from that experience aside from where to not eat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Be careful of street food. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think what did I learn? I learned that you don't have to always have a plan. Like you don't have to plan every hour of every day. Like sometimes it's okay to just wake up without a plan and figure out what you're going to do. Like that's, that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with it. Like it doesn't make you less. I used to think that, you know, you have to plan everything to be productive. No, you don't. Like, I mean, yes, there are certain things that yes, you have to plan if you have goals and stuff like that, but it's okay not to have a plan sometimes and just mm -hmm. to go with the flow. Um, that was really, it was hard. <laughs> like I, I remember before I left, I was, I really wanted to plan out every day, but I was like, don't do that. Like that's, that's 
defeats the purpose. <laughs> so for me, that was, uh, that was really, it was hard. But then once I was there and once I got used to it, I was just like, I, I can't believe I've never done this before. Like, what was I thinking? So yeah, not planning everything was really one of the best takeaways from that trip. That's and then cool. the elephants. That was amazing. I was going to say, was that, was that the highlight? The elephants? <laughs> the elephants. Oh my gosh. The elephants were so beautiful. Aww. So beautiful. That was, yeah, that was amazing. That That's was so amazing. Great. And learning that they have the same bones that we have. All the same bones. Oh, yes. really? Yes. I had no idea. <laughs> uh, neither did I. And so, I, I also went to like, I went to an elephant sanctuary. Yeah. I did not. I, it was <laughs> less educational, more fun. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I was that one nerd. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Is that the clinic? Can I, uh, can I just go, can I go take a little peek in the clinic? But yeah, they had this, this anatomy up of the elephant. I was like, those are all the same bones. That's insane. That's but so cool. they're just shaped a little differently. But uh, uh, yeah, so that was <laughs> nerdy, but still great takeaway that's fabulous <laughs> yeah my favorite part was uh being able to to help bathe the elephants yes. and and you know throwing the mud on them oh. and being able to, to splash them with water and Amazing. they were just very very kind very sweet yes very yep. quiet too <laughs> like i remember there was a group of us and the um tour guide was like oh guys just turn around there's mm -hmm. just step to the side there's an elephant behind you i'm like what there was literally an elephant behind us and we didn't even hear it. Like they were so quiet. Aww. And just the calm in the guide's voice. Oh yeah, just, you know, take a couple steps to the left. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Literally just giant thing. right by. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that was amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. Oh man. Yeah. When I went to Thailand, I, I remember like at the sanctuary, there were a whole bunch of really cute elephant babies. Yeah. And... I remember they named one Rihanna and one Lady Gaga. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Aren't we like outside of Chiang Mai somewhere? This right. Is bizarre. <laughs> Pop culture. Gotta love exactly. It. It's everywhere. <laughs> Even in the elephant sanctuary. Very cool. <laughs> where are you going next? That's a very good question. And this is the first time in a long time where I don't have anything planned because I've been so obsessed with this clinic that mm -hmm. I've been afraid to book anything. Mm -hmm. But I definitely want to have a trip planned for February. And if I'm lucky enough, it will probably be, if I could go anywhere, it would be South America. I really want to go to either Nicaragua or Costa Rica. So we shall see. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. And why those places? I've never been to South America. And I have um, relatives that um, pack their bags with their two kids and move to Nicaragua. Uh, they're they're an inspiration in their own right. And um, Costa Rica, just because um, I've had, my mom went twice and her pictures looked amazing. And I'm like, I can't believe my mom has been there and I haven't. So <laughs> I need to go just to prove a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do it too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's my plan. Hopefully for February. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like an epic trip. That's definitely yeah. on my, my travel wish list too. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> That'll be a nice way to escape the winter here. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I need to do that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to mm. question seven is what do you attribute your success to? Ooh. I think some of it I've kind of touched on already, but it's, it's always just putting one foot in front of the other, like having a goal and no matter what comes in your way, cause something always does come in your way. You just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And sometimes I am crying while I'm putting that one foot in front of the other. Sometimes I am half asleep cause I am exhausted, but I just keep doing it. And I, I don't know where this resiliency came from, 
But I've just always been the type of person that when I have a goal, I will do what it takes to achieve it. No matter how hard, how tiring, I will continue to do it because that sense of accomplishment that you get when you, when you achieve that goal, it's, it's like a high that you just, you can't explain. Like, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, as little as, like I said, driving to to school in my standard vehicle for Mm -hmm. some people that means nothing, but to me, I cherish that moment. I still Mm -hmm. do all these years later. So it's always just putting that one foot in front of the other, just keep going. And eventually I'll get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I understand where you're coming from. That sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. feeding you forward. Even yeah. you know, you're you're exhausted, you're still doing the thing. Yes. It's like you're 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 snorting accomplishment, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. I, I I get it. I get it. I really do. Yeah. And I never want to be stagnant in my life. Like I never want to stop having goals. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I will I don't know. I would almost like disappear if I didn't have a goal. Like I need I need to always be working towards something. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm the exact same way. And yeah. I think, um, you know, there's, for me, it, it emanates a little bit from a fear of not fulfilling my full potential mm-hmm. and my, my perceived purpose mm. in this world. And so, you know, yeah. that's why this podcast was born and in, in yeah. some part of it, you know what I mean? So I, I totally empathize. I, I think that. that's really, really helpful. Um, it almost reminds me, I don't know if you've seen it. It was this viral video of these um, two cute kids, like two Asian kids in like mm-hmm. these lamb costumes dancing at like a dance recital or something like that. Yeah. And one kid is literally visibly crying as he's dancing, but it's like a <laughs> recital. And he's still doing all the moves with his arms and legs, but he's like, his face is crying. And it's been totally <laughs> memified of like, oh yeah, how I, I feel on Monday or like, you know, <laughs> I have to find Yeah, yeah. It's like this super, super viral video. Oh. It just always makes me think of that. I'm like, yeah. yep, yep. If he can do it, I can do it. I love I'm going to get on that tonight. Uh, Awesome. All right. Question eight is Mm. what item or items could you never live without? Oh, my goodness. Well, I hate to say it, but my phone. My whole entire (laughs) life is on my phone nowadays. But last, no, two years ago, I started using this thing called the Success Planner. So one of my girlfriends, um, Carlin Purcell, she has like a collection of success planners. They're they're day timers, but they're more than just day timers. They have like successful um, or motivational quotes. They have um, things that Oprah Winfrey uses to help um, her stay um, on target of her goals, different things that Tony Robbins has uses. Like she's put together all these amazing tools in the success planner. Is it like a physical book? It's a physical book. It is a physical book. It even has like areas for you to color, like just, it's just, uh, it's just everything. (laughs) Like it helps you break down your goals weekly, daily. It's, and it tackles all kinds of goals, financial, personal health and wellness. Like it really, targets all aspects of your life. And for the last two years, I've had this book and I still have one. It's in my car. I carry it everywhere I go. But that book helps me a lot as well. And even though I don't necessarily write in it like everything that I'm doing for the day, I just write important, even just like a quote to myself. Like, you know, today's going to be a great day. Like, even Aww. though that's, I don't write anything that I, like, I've got a meeting at nine. I don't write that down. I just write, <laughs> today's going to be a great day. And just having that and looking at it, it, it keeps me motivated. So f- that book has been, yes, it has been with me each year. Well, this is my third year. This year will be my third year. I take it with me everywhere. 
everywhere. Wow. <laughs> and, and where do you buy it? Where can we buy she it? She has a website. I believe it's called the Carlin Purcell collection.com. Otherwise, if you go on Instagram under Carlin Purcell collection, it's there. And, um, she doesn't make a lot and she sells out every year, but it's really, it's really great for women. Like it's, it's yeah. For women who not just who want to accomplish anything. It's a great tool to have. And I absolutely love it. So yeah, I carry that with me now everywhere I go. Mm. That sounds <laughs> yeah. so cool. I'm going to yeah, have to check that yes, out. Please, you should. It's yeah, they're, they're great timers, to, uh, planners to have. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so I have a whole bunch of, of domain specific questions. Yeah, I want to get sure. to. Um, and I know you're passionate about prevention. Yes. And so what can we as average human beings uh, do <laughs> to not be in a situation where we have to see someone in your capacity right. physically? That is a great question. So the important, one of the important things is, well, there's so many important things, but uh, <laughs> physical activity is key. Mm -hmm. And I say this because I think the average Canadian sits for over 11 hours a day. Sounds about right. <laughs> so if you take away like the seven or eight hours that you're sleeping, that's over half your day sitting. Our spines are not designed to be sitting, especially sitting at a computer. Like we are supposed to be out there hunting and gathering our food. Like that's what we're designed to do. So you put us in front of a computer it's a position that is foreign to our spine. So it doesn't matter how flexible you are, how fit you are, it's just not good. So yes, we have to work, I get it. Not everybody has ergonomic desks or stand-up desks, I totally get it. But if you can dedicate time, I know this, if everyone says this, but 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day to just doing something that's not sitting, <laughs> <laughs> going for a walk, doing a couple stretches, doing Tai Chi, anything you want to do, doing something that doesn't involve sitting is so important because three quarters of my business is the result of people who just sit all day. Oh, wow. It really, really is like, Yeah. It, it, I'd be out of work, I think, if people stopped using computers. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, I think just being physically active is good. It doesn't mean you have to go run a marathon. I, I would never run a marathon. Um, but doing a Zumba class, taking a dance lesson, trying archery, I don't know, just doing something that isn't sitting will be beneficial to you. So, I think that is so important. And the other thing that I think is also important is sleep we don't realize how important to our health sleep is. Mm. So if you're not getting a restful average of six to seven hours of sleep per night, there is no way your body is working at 100% capacity. You're not working optimally at all. So eventually something will fail. So I think working on sleep hygiene is the, the word that they, they use now is so important. So, you know, getting rid of the TV in your bedroom or... Um, you know, going to sleep at a certain time every night, using a, a sleep mask, whatever the case is, you want to make sure that you work on getting good sleep. Mm -hmm. So physical activity and sleep are the most important things as I know it sounds easy, but really those are probably the best things to avoid getting a lot of the repetitive strain injuries that come into my office every day. <laughs> mm -hmm. no, those are great pieces of advice. I was actually just talking to a trainer of mine uh, recently 
and we were talking about sleep and he mm-hmm. said, you know, think of when a baby is sleep training and you suddenly switch up their sleep schedule. Mm-hmm. They're super cranky and they just can't function. Yeah. And what he said was, how can you expect us to be any different? So if, you know, you're going to bed at different times every single night, getting yeah. different hours of sleep, not enough sleep, things like that, we're going to be cranky. Exactly. It's true. <laughs> it's absolutely yeah. true. We're going to be cranky. Our muscles are not going to have the recovery time that they need. Our systems aren't going to be replenished. And yeah, eventually we won't feel so good. So right. yeah, it's so important. So important. So for those of us who sit at a desk for many hours yeah. of the day, like myself, yes. uh, aside from maybe taking a break for a workout or a walk, is yeah. there anything else we should keep in mind oh. and change or do a couple of tips? Yeah. Uh, stay hydrated at your desk is important because that's good mm-hmm. for muscle health. But also just looking at your posture at your desk. I mean, not everyone, like I said, has access to ergonomic equipment, but your feet should be flat on the floor. Ladies, don't cross your legs. <laughs> like mm-hmm. That's not ideal. So you want to have your feet flat at your on the floor. If you have multiple computer screens, which I did not realize was a thing, but like everybody has like at least two, like it's crazy. Um, Looking at the positioning of your computer screen. If you have a main screen, that main screen should be directly in front of you, not off to the side. It should be directly in front of you. Your keyboard, again, directly in front of you. Mouse close to the side. You don't want to be reaching out too far to the side to find your mouse or to use your mouse. So keeping things close to you so that you don't have to um, strain muscles or joints to use the the different uh, equipment that you're using at your desk is really important. But I mean, nothing beats like getting up every hour and like going to the washroom or getting water. Sometimes I'll tell people, and now there's even apps so that like you can set it. So mm. every hour your phone will go off to tell you to get up or just stretch or whatever the case is. Like technology has come a long way. So use wow. it for that. I will tell patients, set a timer. If you don't have an app, fine. Put a timer on your phone. Whatever the case is, just remind yourself every hour to get up. And you don't have to get up for very long. Even just getting up for 60 seconds will help reset your spine so the the um the discs aren't being so compressed. It's almost like they reset and then you sit again. And of course, it'll eventually start to compress again. But getting up every hour just gives it a chance to reset so that things aren't compressed um, as quickly. That's a really good reminder. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned hydration. How yeah. much water should we actually be drinking? That is a, a question that I get a lot and I can never give you the right answer because every body is literally different. Um, I, For the general purposes, you can always go with eight glasses a day. But if you are the type of person where you're taking certain certain medications that can dehydrate dehydrate you, you might need more water. If you're a smaller frame person, you may not need as much water. So the trick like is, me. yeah, I mean, it really there's <laughs> so <Represent>. many. Right? <laughs> and if I drink too much, I'm literally peeing every like five minutes. Exactly. <laughs> so for someone like you, eight glass full glasses might be a little much in a day. So it really depends on so many things. But if you feel thirsty throughout the day, you're dehydrated. You need Mm. more water. You should never feel thirsty. When you feel thirsty, you've gone too long or you haven't had enough. I remember that from Ken. They're like, if you're thirsty, it's too late. (laughs) It's too late. Exactly. Forget (laughs) it. It's over. (laughs) But um, that's a sign that you're not getting enough water. You should never Mm. feel thirsty. That's that's awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. I know I 
probably don't drink enough water in my day to day. So it's, yeah, <laughs> my, my partner and I, we call each other each other's water champions. <laughs> I so love that. yeah, yeah, it's, it's super lame, but like one of us will be sitting on the couch and we'll just bring over like a big carafe full of water and yeah. just give each other a knowing glance being like, yeah, yeah, we, we need to drink more it's water. Time. Yeah. <laughs> Hold each other accountable. I think that's great. That's so important. It's super lame. It's no. fine. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, so a couple last ones here. Yeah. Uh, I, I read a, a cool piece where you were talking about high heels. Yes. And I know, especially for a lot of the women who are listening, we tend to put ourselves through a lot of pain mm. uh, for beauty and yes. fashion. Yes, and we do. Again, especially for the short people like me. Um, <laughs> grew up wearing lots of heels. Yeah. Um, but um, I know there's some best practices that come along with that. was hoping that you might be able to share a couple right. pointers. <laughs> I know. And it's not like I'm against high heels. I own a pair or two or three or four. only one. <laughs> um, but everything in moderation. So, mm-hmm. for example, I will never commute in high heels. Do not recommend it. I keep my high heels at my desk or if I'm going to a function, I'll keep it in my car. But I'm never commuting in high heels. I do not recommend that at all. And when you're purchasing high heels, obviously, the higher the heel, the more stress on the things like the balls of your feet, on your toes, the more pressure on your knees. So the higher the heel, the worse it is for your body. But if you really want a high heel, look for things like platforms, right? So that they don't have such a high angle. So you're not forcing the weight too much in the front of the the body and into the balls of the feet. Obviously things like wedges or things that have a thicker heel are better because it will give you more base of support. So it will help to limit things like ankle sprains, which are very common in women who wear high heels. And the thing that I try to do a lot too is when I am wearing heels kind of before, but mostly after is when I take them off, I will always stretch my calves out. Mm. Um, or what I'll do if my feet are feeling really tight is I'll take a tennis ball and just roll it in the arches of my foot, um, to avoid that tightness in the arch, which I mean, sadly can lead to things like hammer toes and stuff like that. So if you're going to wear heels, just be mindful (laughs) of these things. And if you're shopping for heels, yeah, things like wider heels, platforms, stretchable materials, um, things like that are are better. Mm -hmm. They're not the best. Heels are just not good. Sorry. Um, But there are little things that we can do at least to kind of minimize our chances of Mm -hmm. getting injured. Yep. That's helpful. Yeah. Um, and, and one point I read that you wrote was yeah. it's best to buy heels at the end of the day yes. when your feet are typically the most swollen. Exactly. So therefore you buy a better fit. Thank you for mentioning that. Cause that is very important. Shoes in general should be bought towards the end of the day. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a very key piece of advice for anyone. Cool. Yeah. Um, what are the most common issues that you Mm -hmm. typically see? I know you mentioned, Mm. you know, hey, if it wasn't for computers, I would be out of business. But generally speaking, in general, like what do you see a lot of? I see a lot of um, neck pain for sure. Again, computer work, but also texting and just being on our phones. Mm. Um, So I see a lot of, I call it text neck nowadays. But... uh, (laughs) Yeah, a lot. Yeah, because we're all like bent forward looking at our phones. So I see a lot of like neck 
pain, neck strains, which are really not because somebody fell or somebody was in a car accident. It's just, I woke up and my neck hurt. Well, yeah, because you spend so much time looking down at your phone that when you sleep, things tighten up and then you wake up in the morning and you can't move your neck. Are you so, so what are you supposed to do? Like hold your phone in front of your yeah, face? Yeah, bring your phone up to you. Really? Don't look down towards your phone. Bring your phone up towards you so you're at eye level, right? It just takes some of the pressure off the muscles in oh. the back of the neck. So just little things like that. And don't be lying in like, some people are, are telling me, yeah, I'm lying in my bed and I'm like watching something on my phone. I'm like, that's not the best. <laughs> like, it's just maybe not a good idea to do. Um, we bought one of those uh, contraptions that um, holds onto the backboard of your yes. bed and it, it kind of curves around. It holds the phone for you. So you don't right. have to like hold so, it or exactly. crane your neck. Exactly. Yeah. Little things like that, they make a difference. <laughs> so if you have to watch something on your phone in bed, yes, think about ergonomics. Um, but yeah, definitely neck pain. Rib issues are very, very common. And again, I, I know I keep going back to posture, but a lot of people have rib issues because we're all hunched forward. Oh. So that puts a lot of strain on the ribs. So if ever you get pain that's kind of like between your spine and your shoulder blade, chances are that's rib pain. So it's usually in the upper back, but towards one side of the spine versus the other. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the muscles in between our shoulder blades are so weak because we're hunched over. Those mm. muscles just aren't being worked. They're not being worked. They fatigue and your ribs can move a lot. The ribs actually lose stability is really what happens. And then people come in and they can barely take a deep breath in. The pain is so sharp. Rib pain is very, very uncomfortable. Um, and yeah, they're in a lot of pain and it's all because of posture. Wow. Yeah. So that's very common. And then I would probably say knees sometimes, a lot of plantar fasciitis. I think it's just because we don't know what kind of shoes to wear. <laughs> like nobody's <laughs> wearing really good shoes. Everything is about fashion. Um, but yeah, a lot of arch pain and heel pain coming from the tightness in the muscles under the foot from cramming our feet into small shoes or heels or really narrow shoes. So that's probably something that's also very common is um, foot pain, which is often the result of what's called plantar fasciitis. Mm, got it. So yeah, those are just a few. Yeah, no. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all sorts of messed yeah, up. I it's know, great. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I know you mentioned rolling your, your feet on like yeah. a tennis ball or cross ball or something mm -hmm. can be really helpful. Can you tell us a little bit about say stretching versus mm -hmm. rolling and, and when's a better use yeah. case for, for each? I know rolling is very trendy right now. We see a lot right. of these foam rollers yeah, and other yeah. rolling contractions and things so it might help to demystify for sure so stretching is great because stretching lengthens the muscle so stretching is really good for like increasing our flexibility so that is something that i highly highly recommend where foam rolling or lacrosse ball rolling where that comes into play is when you've got really thick restrictive knots in the muscle. When you have a knot in the muscle, particularly ones that have been there for a long time, when you do regular stretching, you're kind of stretching above or below the knot. You're not really often releasing the knot, especially mm. if it's been there for a long time. Mm. That's where the rolling comes in. So what you use the rolling for is to release the restriction on the knots. Once that's done, then your stretching is more effective. Mm. So I think that 
everybody should have like a foam roller or lacrosse ball, something that they can use to help release the knots. Um, and nowadays you can just go on YouTube and like Google foam rolling exercises and you'll get so many different videos, um, out there. And a lot of them are, are fairly good. Um, if you're not sure, you can always consult with your doctor. Uh, I have to throw that in there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah don't hurt yourself. I, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think everyone should have a, a foam roller or some type of device where they can use that to release the knot. So it doesn't necessarily replace stretching. It's kind of in addition to stretching. Cool. Yeah. Very helpful. Yeah. All right. Let's bring it back to our list of questions. And question number nine is, is there anything you'd like to promote? Oh, (laughs) well, I guess I uh, should start by promoting um, my new office for anybody that is in the West End. Um, uh, It's called the Chiropractic Office and Health Associates. Uh, So, yeah, we are a multidisciplinary clinic and they we offer chiropractic acupuncture osteopathy and registered massage therapy. So that is kind of my, (laughs) my baby that I am working on promoting right now. And, um, and that's, uh, in Mississauga, Mississauga. which is West of Toronto, just for anyone who's, who's, yes, there's a lot of (laughs) West Ends and a lot of places just in case (laughs) in Mississauga. Yes. So, uh, we're about mm, 25 minutes West of the downtown core. Uh, so that's kind of where uh, all of my attention has been going. Um, and that's pretty much, I mean, all I have going on right now, ask me in a year and I may be promoting something different. I'm actually Mm -hmm. in the process of starting to write a book on posture. Cool. Yeah. So very baby stages, but, um, yeah, so that's coming up eventually sometime in 2019. I don't have an exact date yet. Very cool. uh, Yeah. I'm excited about that. And where can we find you online? Uh, everything is at Dr. Nikessa Remy. I keep it simple on Instagram, (laughs) on Twitter, on Facebook. Facebook, my website, drmcassaremi.com. Uh, that's, yeah, where I try to post a lot of the most recent um, educational videos or blogs or pictures, whatever I can find that I think will help somebody. That's where I will post them. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Last question. Yeah. Question 10 is what is a lesson you learned the hard way that you'd like to share with our listeners? Ooh, what have I learned the hard way? Um, I think one of the things when I first started out was I didn't really utilize my mentors as much as I think I could have. I was always afraid to bother people. And I think sometimes, I think all women can relate to this. We don't want to bother people. You know, everyone is busy. I don't want to ask a question because they're probably, you know, super busy and they don't have time for me. And what I've learned is that's not true at all, especially Mm. women who are women always want to help women like we do like the, the this whole cattiness and i think that's just something that the media or society kind of plays upon but i have never met a woman that wouldn't want to support another woman like i just haven't maybe it's just me and the bubble that i live in i don't know but the, all of the women i have met on my journey as a businesswoman ha, have been fantastic so i think a lot of the mistakes that i made whether it was like marketing mistakes or um 
general practice mistakes, I know there are people I could have asked <laughs> to kind of help because there were so many women who've helped me in my journey, but I was always afraid to bother them. And they were so successful and I know they had done everything that I had was doing. So they'd be more than happy to, to share their advice, but I didn't ask. And so I ended up making some mistakes uh, on the way that looking back, I know could have been avoided. So for anyone listening, if you have a mentor, utilize them. And if you don't have a mentor, find one. And I'm telling you, it will not be hard to find a mentor, especially if you're looking for, if you're a woman looking for a, another woman to mentor you, there are so many out there. I have networked with them. I have worked with them. There are a lot out there. So there are resources, utilize them. How do you recommend finding mentors? Networking events. I go to a lot of women in business events. I go even like I went to this one event, which was like, I think it was women in finance. <laughs> I'm not in <laughs> finance by any means, but it was, um, it was being held near my office downtown. So I just thought, well, I'll go check it out. And yeah, they had amazing speakers, women talking about all kinds of things that they've accomplished, projects they were working on. And even though it wasn't in the health and wellness field, I learned so much. Um, so just go to meetups or even just Google Women in Business Toronto or wherever you live, you will find things. And I'm telling you, I, I, I can't say this enough. I've never been to an event where I haven't felt welcomed amongst women and where I haven't learned something. I always learn something when I go to these events. Rock on. Let's yeah. keep lifting each other up. Yes. Nikessa, thank you so much oh, for your time. You, I learned a ton. It was so great to have you. <laughs> thank you so much. This was so awesome. So awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. Find us on Facebook at Legit Lady Podcast. That's L-E-G-I-T-L-A-D-Y Podcast. And on Instagram at Legit Lady Podcast. On Twitter at Legit Lady Pod. That's Legit Lady P-O-D. And please rate and comment on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. If you love what you hear, share it broadly and proudly. Thanks, everyone.